You'll never get the knowledge you need for a successful life unless you have a certain attitude that'll lead you to that knowledge. This message is the fourth in the series, Runway. The message is entitled, Intensify Your Hunger. Here is Pastor Dale O'Shields. Good to grab your Bibles, if you will, and your teaching sheets, the notes there for you that have been provided. Let's uh, get ready to get into God's Word. This morning, we're involved in a series of messages called Runway. We're talking about how to take your life to the next level, the eight attitudes that will actually allow you to move down the runway of life and to actually begin to soar into your destiny. If I were to ask you what will make your life better, the important answer to that question has to do with attitude. That when you and I adjust attitudes in life, our life always gets better. When your attitudes get better, your life gets better. One of your greatest assets in life is your set of attitudes. One of your potentially worst liabilities would be the wrong set of attitudes. And God is very interested in the attitudes of your life. In fact, one of the things that He works on when you and I have relationship with God is He works on our thinking. He works on our attitudes. Paul speaks of this in Ephesians chapter 4, verses 22 and 23. Listen to his words where he says, throw off, talking to us as Christians, throw off your old sinful nature and your former way of life, which is corrupted by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and attitudes. That is, God is interested in your attitude. What is an attitude? An attitude is your mindset. An attitude is the way that you look at God, the way you think about God, the way you think about yourself, the way you think about other people, the way you think about the world. And generally, your attitudes are subconscious. You don't really think about what you're thinking about, but nevertheless, it's affecting the way you behave, the way you live your life. And so part of what you and I need to pay close attention to is how we are developing and structuring our attitudes. And all throughout the pages of the Bible, God gives us various checklists, we might say, of attitudes that are conducive to the right life, attitudes that you and I need to develop. And one of those lists is found in 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 5 through 8, where Peter makes this list of eight attitudes that are vital to our spiritual success. He says, for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, that's number one, goodness, number two, to goodness, knowledge, number three, to knowledge, self-control, to self-control, perseverance, that's number five, to perseverance, godliness, to godliness, mutual affection, and to mutual affection, number eight, is love. So here are the these eight attitudes or eight qualities that you and I need in life. And the promise associated with these, these attitudes is found in verse number eight. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, what qualities? The one he just met, ones he mentioned, eight of them listed there. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. We might say it this way, if you continue to grow in these attitudes, it will take your life to the next level. These eight character qualities are essential. And we've studied two of them so far. We started our first uh, study together and the topic of faith, that faith is where everything begins. It's an attitude that you need in your life. And then add to your faith goodness. Last weekend, we talked about responsibility and how you and I need to be responsible to live a good life and certain choices that go along with being good and goodness being a part of who we are from a responsible standpoint. And then the third word and the third focal point for us is the word knowledge. Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Our focus today is upon knowledge. Now, knowledge is about the acquisition and application of information. That's what it is. 
And the Bible teaches us the value of knowledge. Let me take you on a quick journey of a few verses that point out the value of godly knowledge. Proverbs 8 verse 10 says, choose my instruction instead of silver, knowledge rather than choice gold. That is, if someone walked up to you and they said, here's a big old bag of gold or the opportunity to get knowledge, which of the two should you choose? Knowledge. That is, push the gold away, go after the knowledge. Notice Proverbs 10 verse 14, the wise, if you're wise, you store up knowledge, but the mouth of a fool invites ruin. Proverbs 15, 14 says, a wise person is hungry for knowledge while the fool feeds on trash. And one of my favorite verses when it comes to knowledge is Hosea chapter 4 verse 6, my people are destroyed from lack of knowledge. says what you don't know will kill you. What you don't know can destroy your life. Now, while knowledge is something that you and I need to possess, there's an attitude that you have to have if you're going to get knowledge. And I want to backtrack into the attitude because to uh, obtain knowledge, there's, certain, there's a certain approach to living that you must have. And there's an attitude that must be present. And the attitude is the attitude of hunger. The attitude is the attitude of teachability. If you're not hungry to learn, if you're not hungry for knowledge, you'll never get knowledge. If you sit back and say, oh, I'd like to have knowledge, but there's not a hunger there, if there's not a teachability in your life, you're never going to achieve it. And so while knowledge is valuable for us to get, there's an attitude that leads us to the acquisition of this knowledge, and that's the attitude of hunger or the attitude of teachability. And so I'm going to share with you four lessons today, four things that are necessary if you're going to be a teachable, hungry person that experiences and receives more of the knowledge of God and His Word, His will, his ways in your life. The first thing that is necessary is that you and I have to learn something about being humble. Humility is vital to teachability. The opposite of humility is pride or arrogance, and pride and arrogance is when you and I are full of ourselves. That we think we know everything, we think we've got all that we need for ourselves, we're really big on us, and we're full of ourselves, and anytime you're full of yourself, you can't get anything else in because you're full of you, okay? And so pride makes you full of you, full of what you think you know, and so it leaves you uh, absent of this hunger necessary to grow. And God says if you're going to grow, if you're going to gain knowledge, there has to be a spirit of humility in your life. Let me take you on a quick uh, round of passages that point out the value of humility. Psalm 18, verse 27, God says here, you save, God saves the humble, but you bring low those whose eyes are haughty. So salvation comes to people who are, hung, who are humble. Uh, Psalm 25, verse 9, he guides the humble in what is right and teaches them his way. So guidance comes when we're humble. Psalm 147, verse 6 says, the Lord sustains the humble but casts the wicked to the ground. So sustenance in life comes from humility. Psalm 149, verse 4, for the Lord takes delight in his people. He crowns the humble with victory. That is, if if you want to experience victory in your life, there there has to come a humility that positions you 
for that victory. And then Proverbs 3, verse 34. He, God, mocks proud mockers, but shows favor to the humble and oppressed. So if you want favor from God in your life, it requires humility. Isaiah 66, the latter part of verse number 2. These are the ones I look on with favor, those who are humble and contrite in spirit and who tremble at my word. Again, you see humility connected with the favor of God. Luke chapter 14, verse 11, the words of Jesus, for all those who exalt themselves will be humbled and those who humble themselves will be exalted. With God, if you try to go high, you're going to end up low, but if you go low, God can take you high. Ephesians 4, verse 2. Let me invite you to read this together with me aloud and loudly across all of our campuses. Would you read with me? Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Notice it doesn't say just be humble, but it says be completely humble. That is, let humility permeate every part of your being. And then Peter reminds us of this in 1 Peter 5. Five and six, in the same way, you who are, hung, who are younger, submit yourselves to your elders. All of you clothe yourselves with humility toward one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Now, notice this again. To, be, to experience growth, to, to move your life to the next level, you need more knowledge than you have right now. Amen? There are certain things that you don't know that you need to know. You can't live life at the next level if you don't know, if you don't have the knowledge necessary to live it at that next level. And for us to get to that knowledge, there's an attitude that we have to have of teachability, hunger for that knowledge, and you'll never be hungry for it unless you have a spirit of humility that says, you know what, I don't know everything I need to know. There's still lots of things I still need to learn, and I'm willing to let people teach me and train me. I want to grow in my knowledge so there's a humility that says I can learn from anybody around me who can teach me the, the better way to live my life. Amen? So humility, how are you doing on the humble part of life? Now, I know that's kind of a tough question because as soon as you say, yeah, I'm really humble, okay, you've just blown it right then, right, okay? But I'm talking about do you live your life with a spirit of, of service toward other people? Do you know how to push yourself out of the way and say, you know what, I really do need to learn some things. I'm willing to be a student. I don't have to always be the teacher. I'm willing to be the student that can learn and to, can gain the knowledge that I need to go forward. So humility is the beginning point of teachability. The second thing that's a necessary characteristic, if you and I are going to gain knowledge, we have to be good listeners and good learners. Good listeners and good learners. It's very interesting how many times in the Bible you will see God talking to His people about their listening capacity and oftentimes rebuking them because they haven't listened to him. One example of this is in Jeremiah chapter 29, as the prophet Jeremiah speaks on behalf of God in verse 19. He says, for they, that is the people of God, have not listened to my words, declares the Lord. Words that I sent to them again and again by my servants, the prophets, and you exiles have not listened either, declares the Lord. So God is rebuking or correcting his people because they haven't listened. They're not listening. Jesus gave a parable in Matthew chapter 13 of a seed, the seed of God's Word being sown on different kinds of soil, and then he brings it all around to addressing the issue of listening in verses 13 through 16. Listen to what Jesus said. He said, that's, that's why I use parables, for they, for they look, but they don't 
really see, they hear, but they don't really listen or understand. This fulfills the prophecy of Isaiah that says, when you hear what I say, you will not understand. When you see what I do, you will not comprehend. For the hearts of these people are hardened, and their ears cannot hear, and they have closed their eyes, so their eyes cannot see, and their ears cannot hear, and their hearts cannot understand, and they cannot turn to me and let me heal them. Let me stop there before I read uh, verse 16. Jesus said, here's the problem. I, I teach in these parables, but there are a lot of people that don't get it. They don't even understand. The reason is because they don't listen. And the reason that they're not listening is because of their heart. It's not a problem with their ears. It's a problem with their heart. They've let their heart become hard. And here's the thing to remember in your life, that as soon as your heart gets hard, your spiritual ears shut down. Hardened hearts create deafened ears spiritually. And there are all kinds of things in life that can make your heart get hard. You can get hard because somebody hurt you and you're angry about it and bitter about it. You're not willing to forgive and let go. And so it sits in here and it creates a callus over your heart. You can get hard because you've been disappointed by things in life. You can get hard because you thought something was going to happen one way and it happened another way. And so you get mad or angry at God about things. And so you kind of start shutting Him out of your life. There are all kinds of reasons why your heart gets hard. But Jesus said, the problem with the people that I'm speaking to is that they're not hearing because they've got a heart issue. So your hearing issue really is a heart issue, hardness of heart. And so that's why it's extremely important that we ask God, to tenderize our heart, to help us get things out of it that have created calluses upon it. Then in verse 16, he says, but blessed are your eyes because they see and your ears because they hear. That is the pathway to blessing is by learning to listen. Mark 4, 9, Jesus said, whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. Jesus said, I want you to listen to what I have to say. Get it into your heart. So listening is a key part of learning. You will not learn unless you listen, and listening is a choice. It's a decision that you make. All of us have been in rooms before where we're trying to, maybe someone's trying to have a conversation with us. Happens at home, at my house, lots of times when my wife is talking and I'm shaking my head, yes, yes, yes. Then she says, what did you say? And I say, I don't know, okay. Because I'm going through all the motions of outwardly saying, yes, I'm listening, but no, I'm not, okay. And it can happen in church. You can come to church and you can be sitting there and your mind can totally be somewhere else and you can be saying, yes, what a great message. What did I say? I don't know, okay. You can pick up your Bible to read it, and you can read it, and you can go through reading it, but your mind is somewhere else. You just kind of read it, and then you say, what did I read? I don't know, okay? Because listening is a choice. It requires engagement. You have to engage in the process, but you will never learn unless you listen, amen, okay? You can't learn without listening. None of us can. So you can't learn without being humble, and so you have to humble yourself and say, I I'm willing to be a student. I need to learn, Okay? And then I'm going to be a listener. I'm going to learn by listening. I'm going to give focus when there's information coming my way that I need in my life. And then the third thing I want to talk to you about for a few moments is you need to be attentive and aware. If you're going to gain knowledge, to be really taught by God, there has to be an attentiveness and an awareness. 
Now, this is kind of an extension of my last point related to listening, but I want to draw a bit of a distinction between listening and attention, attentiveness. When you're really listening, you do have to be at some level attentive, but the kind of attentiveness that I'm talking about here is by really focusing on more than just what you're hearing in the moment, but you're focusing on what do I do with what I'm hearing in the moment for my future, okay? That is, I'm looking beyond just what's happening in this moment to the application of what I'm hearing. That yes, I'm sitting in a service and I'm listening and maybe I'm taking notes and wow, that was an amazing point, that was something good that I needed to hear and that was listening, but attentiveness means that by Wednesday or Thursday of this coming week, I go back and reflect on what I heard on Sunday and I'm actually putting it into practice in my life And so, because we're not to just be hearers of the Word, but we're actually to be doers of the Word, amen? Okay. And we can actually hear the Word and celebrate the Word and say, praise God for the Word, and yes, take notes on the Word and be excited about the Word and shout hallelujah during the Word. But then on Tuesday or Wednesday, we can forget the Word. But I will tell you, God is not in the business of just giving you information. He wants you to have application that leads you to transformation. Amen? That's this link that we get the information, but information, yes, we listen for the information, but now we listen for the information, now we are attentive for the application so that there will be true transformation in our lives. So there's an attentiveness and an awareness of when you and I need to use what we've heard, okay? Because you're going to need to put into practice what you're hearing today, amen? It's not just, you're not just coming to church, hopefully, to check off something on a box somewhere and say, yeah, I did that this week, but you're here to learn. I believe you're, you have an appetite. You, you got up from bed this morning. You left your house and came to the house of God, and I applaud you for that, but I want to encourage you to take what you're hearing today and say, how is this going to work in my life on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday and a year from now? How can I get this to a point that it becomes a part of who I am in my life, and I'm aware of how to use it, attentiveness and awareness. That's when you become a really good student. A really good student, a student that's really getting it is a student that doesn't just take the good notes about it, but they actually know how to use it in the, in the moments of life when they need it. Amen? Okay? It's vital to us. Now, to be aware and attentive, there's, there are four categories where you and I need to be especially attentive and aware, four dimensions of life that I want to talk to you about. They're on your notes. The first dimension of life, you and I, when it comes to taking the information of God that He gives us, the knowledge that He wants to put in our lives, applying it for transformation, we need to be attentive to and aware of the Holy Spirit. I want you to be reminded today that everywhere you go as a believer in Jesus Christ, you go with the Holy Spirit and the Holy Spirit goes with you because you are the temple of the Holy Spirit. Would you say with me this morning, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Say it together. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. Once again, I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. That truth alone will change your life. That truth alone has the potential power to change your life. I am the temple of the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit has a voice. And the Holy Spirit doesn't speak weird things to you. If you start hearing weird things, all that does is make you weird. Okay, that's all it does, okay? So a lot of people say, well, the Holy Spirit told me, and it's like, told me, it's like, that's weird. No, he didn't tell you that, okay? Right? Okay. So God's not out to make a bunch of weird people, okay? Holy Spirit's out to make better people, amen? He's not out to make you weird, he's out to make you better, okay? 
And so when you hear the Holy Spirit, he's always working in you to make you better, to help you to understand how to apply the truth of God's word in your life. And here's the problem. If you don't learn to listen to the Holy Spirit, you can actually, you can actually do one of two things. I'll read a verse in just a moment. You can actually either grieve the Holy Spirit or you can quench the Holy Spirit. You hear those two words? Say them with me again. You can grieve or you can quench. Let's read these verses here. Notice what they say. Ephesians 4.30, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And 1 Thessalonians 5.19 says, do not quench the Spirit. So if you're, you and I are not as attentive and aware of the Holy Spirit, we can either grieve or quench. What do those words mean? Here's grieve. Grieve means, let's say, for example, you're, you're trying to have a conversation with someone. You're opening up your heart to them. Man, you're just talking about your pain. You're talking about whatever is very sensitive to you. And then after you've said what you've said, they weren't even listening at all. They weren't paying attention. And that moment you thought, I just poured out my heart to you and you weren't listening to me. You know that moment when you feel that, right? Are you with me here? That moment you've dumped your heart and somebody before that you're trying to share with them and they weren't even paying attention, they weren't tracking with you all, and so it grieves you. It's not that you're angry or mad, it just hurts that they weren't listening. Well, when you grieve the Holy Spirit, it means that when He's trying to talk to you and trying to help you to grow and learn and you're just not paying attention to His voice, it grieves Him, it hurts the heart of God because He wants to help you. He's your helper. But then we can also quench the Spirit. To quench the Spirit is when we just shove the Spirit down and shove the Spirit away. We know what He's trying to say to us, but we don't want to hear it. We want to do what we want to do instead of what He wants us to do. We quench. We, that's a stronger word than grieving. But I want to encourage you this year, as we're going in this, this, this series together, that you would begin to pray, Lord, help me to be sensitive to the voice of your Holy Spirit inside of me. Amen. Help me to learn to listen to that still, small voice so that I do not grieve the Spirit and so that I do not quench the Spirit. Here's the second awareness that you need in your life. It's awareness about yourself, okay? One of the things that God helps us to grow in is self-awareness because if you're like me, my biggest problem is me. How about you, right? It'd be nice if sometimes I could just live, live, leave me at home. Wouldn't it be great, right? Just like leave me there because I'm a lot better when me's not with me, right? Are you the same way, okay? It's a lot better when me's not around, okay? And so I've got my issues with me and you got your issues with you. And so we go, but here's the problem. Most of the time we're blind to our own issues, right? We can see everybody else's issue, Right? We have really clear sight on anybody else's problems, right? I know exactly what's wrong with you. I just don't always know what's wrong with me. I know I've got issues, but I just don't know what they are, okay? And so I end up still living in those issues and spilling those over in my life and creating problems in my life because I, I'm blind. I have blind spots, as do you. And so the Holy Spirit and God's Word and knowledge is a part of, gaining, uh, part of the gaining of that knowledge is getting self-awareness. What's going on with me? Now, Jesus talked about this in Matthew chapter 7, the first five verses. Refuse to be a critic. I'm reading from the, passage, the, the Passion uh, Translation. Refuse to be a critic full of bias toward others, and judgment will not be passed on you. For you will be judged by the same measure that you've used to judge others. The measurement you use on them will be used on you. Now notice it gets really personal here. Why would you focus on the flaw in someone else's life and yet fail to notice the glaring flaws of your own? Everybody say, ouch. Okay, there you go, all right? How could you say to your friend, let me show you where you're wrong when you're guilty of even more 
You're being hypocritical and a hypocrite. First, acknowledge your own blind spots and deal with them, and then you'll be capable of dealing with the blind spot of your friend. Doesn't that come close to home? What is God saying? He's saying you need to be aware of what's going on with you. Stop your great attentiveness to other people when it comes to their flaws and let God speak to you about your own. Then you need to be very aware of the people that you surround yourself with. You need to be aware of every influence in your life. Listen closely. Anyone you give access to your life has influence in your life. Anyone you give access to your life will have some level of influence in your life. That's why you need to be careful who you give access to in your life. Whoever you have access to, they're going to have some level of influence, for good or bad. That's why you need to choose carefully who you allow into your life. Now, I know that in some situations, you can't always choose who you're going to be around, but as much as possible, as selective as you can be, you need to choose the right people. It's been said that if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Because you always need to be surrounded by someone that can help you get better, someone that can help you grow, that you're choosing your friends, your associates, your influences wisely because they're having an impact on your life. Show me your friends and I'll show you your future. Every person's future is determined by who they're surrounding themselves with. Take a look at the scripture here in Proverbs chapter 13, verse number 20. Why don't you read this one with me? Let's read together. Walk with the wise and become wise for a companion of fools suffers harm. Notice wisdom happens when we walk with wise people. 1 Corinthians 15, 33, do not be misled. Bad company corrupts good character. So the company you surround yourself with, if it's bad, it's going to corrupt you. So be attentive to the Holy Spirit. Be attentive to yourself, aware of what's going on with you. Be attentive to the people you're surrounding yourself with and be attentive to the environments you subject yourself to. I'm going to talk very straightforward with you just for a moment, but I want you to hear my heart, okay? So pay just really close attention to what I'm about to say because I don't want you to mishear what I'm about to say. What I'm about to say is I'm not about to give you a set of spiritual and religious rules or regulations. I want to talk to you about how to make your life better. There are certain influences that if you want to move to the next level of your life as a Christian believer, there are certain influences of the environment around you that you're going to have to shut out and push away. That means this. There will be certain movies you'll no longer go to. Wow, got really quiet just then, right? (laughs) Not because there's some religious rule that says, thou shalt not go to such and such a movie. There are movies that I don't go to, not because there's a There's a law that says I can't go to that movie. I don't go to that movie because I want to be a better person. I don't want that movie to influence me in a way that I don't want to be influenced. I don't want that to tarnish my life or to create something in me that is less than who God wants me to be. And so it's not about a rule that I have to follow. I'm under these all these religious rules. No, I just want to be a better person. Amen. There's certain music you need to stop listening to. I got one come on and one owe me over here. Okay. I'll say it again. There's certain music 
you have to stop listening to. Why? Because there's certain music that's going to generate stuff in you or, ge- or communicate certain things to you that's not going to build you up in your spirit and your soul and make you the better person that God wants you to be. Now, is there some law in the Bible that says, thou shalt not listen to such and such a movie, no, such and such a music? No, it's not about that. It's about what kind of person do you want to be? That's really what, what kind of person do you want to be? There's certain places that if you're going to be the person God wants you to be, you got to stop going there. Why? Because that place is not good for you. When you go there, you turn into a different person. You start living a different way. You become a person that is less than who God wants you to be, and it's compromising your spiritual life. And so you make a choice. No, I want to go to the next level. I want to get on this runway, and I want to soar into my future. And it's not about what God's telling me I can't do. It's about what I'm choosing I don't want to do because I want to be the person God has called me to be. Amen? So I've got to pay attention to my environments. And the environments are coming at us all the time now. You've got your phone that's just giving you messages. And you've got all the computers surrounding you and television and radio and all this stuff media-wise that's always coming at you. You've got to be selected. There's certain things you need to just simply shut out of your life. Because when you shut it out, your life gets better. Notice what the Scripture says here. Am I preaching to anybody today? Amen? Did you hear my heart on that? Did you? not giving you a bunch of rules here. I'm telling you, God calls you to something higher. Amen? Amen. Romans 13, 14. But ask the Lord Jesus Christ to help you live as you should. This is a way you should live. Ask Him to help you live as you should. Don't make plans to enjoy evil. Don't put yourself in an environment of evil. Matthew 6, 33, a, a prayer Jesus taught us to pray along with the way we are, we are to live our life. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then Psalm 1, 1 and 2, oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. So to take your life to the next level, you and I need knowledge. To get knowledge, we have to be hungry for it, teachable. To be teachable, we have to be humble. We have to be listeners because you'll never learn unless you listen, and you have to be aware and attentive to the Holy Spirit, to what's going on in your own life, to the people you're allowing into your life, and to the environments you are subjecting yourself to. And the last point I want to share with you today briefly is that you and I need to be flexible and stretchable. You're never going to grow and never gain knowledge unless you're flexible and stretchable. For an airplane to take off, to head down the runway and to actually take off, if you've ever noticed before, if you had a window seat on an airplane, you'll notice something, you'll notice that the wings have flexibility. They're not completely flexible, but they're able to move and flow in the process. Why? Because they're engineered not to be rigid. And rigidity in your life will kill you, it'll kill your growth. And here's how the rigid person lives. The rigid person lives in a comfort zone. They get into a box in their life, and they draw a box around their life, and they say, I'm really comfortable here. Don't anybody mess with my box because I'm really comfortable in this box. Now, the problem with being in this box is that you're boxed in by your box, okay? You're living in this box, but it's your comfort zone because you're, you're okay here because it's not stretching you not challenging you in any way, 
But I've learned in my life that if I'm going to get some new dimension of knowledge and growth, it's going to stretch me because it's taking me where I'm not right now. Amen? And so I have to be willing to let my box enlarge and let God stretch me. And I will tell you that God is in the business of stretching people. And a lot of people resist that, and they never grow because they're unwilling to respond to the call of God to be stretched in their life. Now, the beautiful thing is when you let God stretch you by giving you a challenge that you weren't comfortable with and challenging you to do something that maybe is beyond where you've been living in your life, then when you respond to that, you're going to get bigger. Now, there's a little bit of hurt that goes in being stretched, obviously, because it's a pain point of you being pulled in fresh things you haven't been pulled in before, but once you're stretched in a new dimension, you never go back to the same size again, okay? You get bigger in your life. I'm going to tell you three stories. Actually, it's four stories in three categories here today, and I'm not going to read these passages for you. You can read them on your own. The references are in your notes. Let me give you three stories uh, of individuals who were stretched by God and what happened in their life because of it. Are you ready for this? Very important. The first story is of of a man by the name of Gideon. Gideon lived in the time of the judges in Israel. It was a time when Israel was in a mess. And this particular time when when Gideon lived, the Midianites, which was a foreign nation, they were coming into Israel. And every time Israel would have a great harvest of food, the Midianites would come and steal all the food away, ransack everything in the land, and just intimidate everybody. And Gideon is living during this particular time. When you find him in Judges chapter 6, he has made his way into a little cave, and he's got his food there, and he's trying to thresh out some wheat for his family, and he's living in his little box. He's afraid that the Midianites are going to find him and steal from him, so he's living in fear. And by the way, when you live in a box, you generally live in fear, okay? It's fear that keeps you in your box. So here's Gideon, there he is, and God comes to Gideon in that little cave in his box, and God says, hey, Gideon, you're a mighty man of valor. And Gideon says, you've got to be kidding. You're not talking to me, are you? Don't you see where I'm at? I'm, the, I, I'm afraid you're calling me a man of valor. And God says, yes, I'm talking to you. I want you. Here's my assignment, Gideon. I want you to rise up and get an army of men and go after the Midianites and drive them out of Israel. I'm going to use you as the general in the army if you're willing to allow me to do so. I've chosen you to take this next step in your life to be this general of Israel's army to free them from the Midianites. And Gideon says again, you've got to be kidding. You're not talking to me, God. You don't, don't you know who I am? I'm from the least family in Israel. I'm the least of the clan of all my brothers and sisters. You're not really talking to me, are you? And God says, yes, I'm talking to you. Little guy right now in the box, I see bigger things for you. So I'll tell you something. God sees bigger things about you than you'll ever see about yourself, okay? So God saw some bigness in Gideon that Gideon could not see in himself. And so Gideon eventually says yes to God, and God stretches him out of his box and gets him out of his comfort zone, and Gideon begins to grow and gets knowledge, begins to develop, and he pulls 300 men around him, and Gideon with 300 men drives out the Midianites from Israel, and they're freed and set free for many, many years to come because of Gideon's response to being stretched by God. You never know what God can do in your life when you're willing to be stretched by Him. Jesus one day was walking by the Sea of Galilee. As he's walking by the seashore, he looks out there and a couple boats are there and he says, I know those guys. Hey, Andrew, Peter, James, John, 
They were fishermen. They made their living by catching fish. That's how they sustained their life. They were living in a box called, I'm a fisherman. I'm just a common, ordinary fisherman. I make my living this way. I've got a little box here. And Jesus comes along and says, hey, 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 you four guys, come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. Get out of your little box that you're in. I'm just a, I'm just a fisherman. I want to make you into something bigger. Come follow me and I'll make you fishers of men. And of course, Peter and Andrew and James and John responded to Jesus that day. They stepped out of their little box. They were flexible and stretchable and they became four of the 12 apostles of Jesus Christ. One day there was a young girl somewhere between the ages of 14 and 18. We don't know exactly what her age was, but the angel Gabriel came to her one day and said, Mary, God has a plan for your life. Mary was troubled by those words. and The angel said, this is what God wants to do with you, Mary. God wants you to be the bearer of the Christ child. He wants you to give birth to Messiah. And there in that moment, Mary said, how can this be? I've never known a man. You're talking about something that's impossible here. And the angel Gabriel said, well, this is how it's going to happen. The Holy Spirit's going to come upon you, and the power of the Most High is going to overshadow you. You're going to give birth to this this Holy One of Israel, the Messiah of Israel. You've been chosen by God. Do you want the assignment? Are you willing to do this, Mary? Mary was living in her little box in Nazareth. She had plans for her future. Her plans were to be married to Joseph. So there she's facing a decision, what will I do? Because Mary understood something. She understood at the moment that she said yes, that it would perhaps risk her marriage to Joseph, and also it could risk her reputation. Because all of you ladies who've been pregnant before, expecting before, you know that at a certain point in time, you can't hide it any longer, okay? It is what it is, right? And there's this moment that Mary realizes, if I say yes to this, that people are going to talk about me, people are going to make fun of me, Joseph might reject me, and my question is, will I, will I step out of this little box and let God stretch me and trust Him as He stretches me? And Mary, of course, she said, may it be to me according to your word, and she said yes, and she was expanded in her life spiritually and physically in giving birth to Messiah. Joseph, her fiancé, got the news that she was pregnant. I want you to imagine with me the moment that conversation happened. When Mary has got to communicate to Joseph that she's carrying a child, and of course she comes to Joseph, and Joseph says, what do you mean you're pregnant? We, we haven't had relations. What are you talking about here? And Mary says, well, yeah, I, I am pregnant, but, but there's no other man involved. Like, What? Yeah, there's no other man involved, Joseph. I've been faithful to you. You know, I'm pregnant because God did it. Like, what? (laughs) Are you with me here? These are real conversations, okay? I'm not making this up. This conversation had to happen at some point in time, right? Okay? So Joseph's trying to wrap his mind around this. What's going on? And so he thinks that she doesn't know what she's talking about, that she's actually been unfaithful to him. And so he says, I don't want this kind of life. I don't want to marry a lady like this. I'm going to put her away. I'm going to do it as as gracefully as I can, but I'm not going to marry her because I I don't want that to be my life. And so he, he goes to sleep one night, and an angel comes and visits him, and God says to him, hey, Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, as your spouse, because the one that's conceived in her is conceived by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph got it. He understood 
understood it. And there in that moment, not only did Mary step out of her comfort zone, but Joseph stepped out of his comfort zone as well. And that couple ushered in the birth of Messiah. Anybody glad that Jesus came? Amen? Okay. Here's what I want you to see. With this, we're wrapping up today. That if your life is going to get bigger, if you're going to get the next level of knowledge that you need and to move into the next dimension of growth that God has for you, you've got to be hungry for it. You've got to be teachable. And when you become hungry and teachable, amazing things happen. And it happens when you embrace humility. You, re- you let go of pride and embrace humility. It happens when you start listening at a level that you've never listened before, and out of that will come your learning. It happens when you begin to be very attentive to what you're learning and aware of how to live it out in your life. And it happens when you say to God, God, I'm willing to be flexible and stretchable. When you get those things at work in your life, it will lead to knowledge. Add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge. Would you pray with me today? Father, we thank you for your word. We're grateful that you're speaking to us this morning. We ask, Lord, that you'll help us to leave here today with an awareness of what you've called us to and the work you've done in our lives through your word today. And help us to take it with us into the future, to be aware and attentive in the days to come to what you've said to us during this time together. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. I would like to close today by giving you an opportunity to ask Jesus to be the Lord of your life. Would you pray with me right now? Right where you are, just simply bow your head with me and I'm going to give you a prayer to pray and you can simply speak this prayer out, whisper this prayer out and from the sincerity of your heart, call upon God and I promise you that He will hear and answer you. So let's pray together. Start by simply whispering the name Jesus. Let there come uh, from your heart just the declaration of His name. Say, Jesus... I know that that I am a sinner, that I have fallen short with you. I'm sorry for all of my sins. Jesus, I believe in you. I believe that you are God's Son. I believe that you are the Savior of the world. I believe that you died on the cross for my sins. And I believe that you rose from the grave, that you are alive today. Now pray these words. Say, Lord Jesus, come into my heart. Come into my life. Forgive me of my sins. Give me a new start in you. I commit my life to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, if you prayed that prayer with me, I want to encourage you with a promise from God's Word that says that when we call upon God's name, we call upon the Son of God, there is salvation that comes to our lives. He changes us from the inside out, and you become a new creation. All things pass away. All things become new. And that's exactly what has happened to you today. Your next step really is to make sure that you get into a good Bible-believing church. And you begin to study God's Word, get God's Word in you, and to make sure that you get a copy of the Bible if you don't have one and begin to read it. Spend some time every day in prayer. And I would encourage you also to check out the resources on our website that will help you to get going in your relationship with Jesus. You can find them at church-redeemer.org. Get those into your hands. Get started in your new life with Jesus Christ. Thanks again for joining us today. May God bless you, and we look forward to seeing you next time. If you've prayed with a pastor today and made a decision to follow Jesus Christ, we have some resources for you on our website. Just go to church-redeemer.org slash a new you. 
We pray that this message was a blessing to you.